proud of us, you know. Shit, we did all we could. You know, we left it out there, and, you know, Malcolm went down, that obviously hurt us. We played a lot of people a lot of minutes. We didn't make used to playing, but we kept going, kept going, kept going. And we had our chances, you know, we had our chances. There's some games that, this it, it, it happens in a season. There's some games that you win that you probably shouldn't have won. There's some games that you lose that you probably should have won, and this is one of those games that we felt like we should have won the game, but just didn't have enough, but we had our chances. Hey, this is Chris Murray, and you're listening to The Briefcase with Casey Holdall. Greetings, Blazer fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 65 of The Briefcase. I am your host, Casey Holdall, and that was Chauncey Billup discussing the Trailblazers' loss to the Kings in overtime Wednesday night in Sacramento. Even with injuries piling up, the Blazers still almost had enough to get another road win, this time versus a Western Conference foe, but ended up falling just short. If Malcolm Brogdon doesn't leave the game after five minutes due to injury, or if Shaden Sharp doesn't foul out in the fourth quarter, perhaps Portland has enough to get that victory. But those things did happen, and the Blazers did just fall short. Now the question becomes, how many players will Portland have available in their upcoming games versus the Lakers and Jazz? Because as it stands right now, they're down to about nine players, so it's all hands on deck. We'll discuss Wednesday's loss, Sunday's upcoming contest versus the Lakers, the report that Rob Williams III will be out for the remainder of the season, the start this weekend of the Rip City Remix's inaugural season, which is happening here in Los Angeles, where I'm also at, the Trailblazers getting their first victory versus the spread in a loss, and the upcoming schedule, which includes yet another in-season tournament group stage game on this edition of The Briefcase. Well, as I mentioned, Trailblazers are beginning yet another three-game road trip on Wednesday with a 121-118 loss in overtime to the Kings at Golden 1 Center in Sacramento. Malcolm Brogdon left that game after five minutes with a left hamstring strain and did not return. His status for Sunday's game versus the Lakers is still to be determined. The team is going to have a practice on Saturday, and obviously they have to put out their injury report on Saturday, so we'll get a better sense at that point in time of where Malcolm Brogdon might be at, along with a few other players who have been on the shelf for a while, including Scoot Henderson. So with Malcolm out of that game, it basically fell to the veterans and what few guards were still left to go out and get that one done, and they came so close to doing so. Jeremy Grant, his best game of the season, 38 points on 12 of 25 shooting, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks in 46 minutes. Jeremy's taken some heat this season, at least early this season, about playing quote-unquote selfishly. I think we saw in that game versus the Kings exactly why Jeremy has changed the way he's played a little bit this season. He is the guy who can get those things done in those situations, and he's being asked to go out there and be more aggressive, be more assertive on the offensive end. And I think we saw the results of that in that game versus the Kings. That game's a blowout without Jeremy Grant. Jeremy also is the first player in NBA history to start the first eight games of a season by increasing his scoring in each game. If he's able to do it in Sunday's game versus the Lakers, that ties the record set by Willis Reed, which I believe is 10 straight games. Technically, Jeremy's done it in nine straight games if you go back to last season. So long story short, Jeremy has upped his offensive game in every single game he's played this season. And after scoring 38 versus the Kings, he'll have to score at least 39 to keep that streak going. And if they want to get a victory versus the Lakers in Los Angeles, they might need Jeremy to get 40 points in order to win that one. Another solid outing from DeAndre Ayton, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists in 41 minutes. He was especially great in the fourth quarter. I believe he maybe scored eight straight for the Trailblazers, all on kind of face-up mid-range jumpers. I think we've seen more and more that DeAndre has an offensive game that the Blazers just haven't 
been able to unlock just yet. And, you know, DeAndre, I don't think really cares a whole lot about it. In fact, I believe in the post game, he even mentioned, he's like, I don't really care about the offensive piece. Like it's the defensive part that I think we're making progress on. And he's right about that. But also as the Blazers get thinner and thinner, I think you maybe need to look to DeAndre a little bit more on the offensive end. If nothing else, just dumping the ball into him and let him go to work. I know that's not really his style of play necessarily, but when you're down as many players as the Blazers are, basically all their two-way guys are playing significant minutes right now. Guys who were kind of a coin flip whether we're going to be on the roster this season playing significant minutes. Rookies, second-year guys playing significant minutes. So when you're in that situation, you got to look to guys who can maybe fill some of the gaps that might exist even if that isn't necessarily exactly what that player is accustomed to doing. And so I think that maybe DeAndre Ayton is one of those guys also too. I just think that you need to get the ball in DeAndre Ayton's hands a little more on the offensive end. Seems like every time that they get it into DeAndre, something good happens. That was the case in the game versus the Kings. I'll be interested to see if that continues in the game versus the Lakers, a team that, you know, with Anthony Davis, that's a tough matchup for anybody. Interested to see what DeAndre Ayton can do in that one because he has been very good to start the season for the Trailblazers. You've pretty much seen everything you would want from Ayton since the Blazers executed that trade to bring him to Portland. Shaden Sharp, 18 points and three assists before fouling out in regulation of that game. That's one of those games, too, where, you know, Shaden's really got to try to not commit some of those fouls. I believe the foul he fouled out on was called an offensive foul and then it was overturned. So that's one of those two where it's like, you can't really blame him for that sixth foul. But I think there were a couple fouls in that game where particularly when you're shorthanded, you just have to make sure that if you're going to make an attempt on the ball, if you're going to make a play on the defensive end, that you're not going to put your team in Dutch by getting a foul in that situation. So an area of growth there for Shaden and just the team as well too. And again, when you're in a situation like the Blazers are now, you can't really put it on any one player. Everyone has to just be a little bit better when you have so many players who are down and when you're trying to win on the road versus a good team like the Kings. And so another chance for, for Shane to kind of learn the, the ropes in the NBA. I believe he went 5 of 14 in that game as well. So not Shane's best performance offensively. And more and more, he is going to start drawing the attention of the opposing defenses as he continues his ascension in the NBA. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now from Shaden as well. So maybe not his best game, but a few very nice plays. He also had a great almost dunk on Alex Len, as I posted on both Twitter and Instagram. Elite call from Kevin and Lamar in that one. Lamar basically just yelling, Kevin talking about getting cocked and blocked. So go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. But a nice little game for Shaden Sharp. Again, an area where you'd like to see growth. And just in general, I would say for the entire team, and and I thought Chauncey talked about this at the end of the game, and I think he was exactly right. You know, you would much rather have won that game. It's a game that they felt like they should have won. But it's also a game, too, where you felt like you made some progress in that game. You saw the things you wanted to see in that game. You played pretty well. Again, you went into Sacramento, a tough place to play sent the game into overtime, and then lost by three while you had the majority of your players out. So you don't feel too bad about that game. You feel like you really got something accomplished. And the locker room reflected that too. I thought that Chauncey's comments reflected that. I thought the players, while they weren't stoked on it, I think they could put that loss into context. So when you're trying to build something, it is important when you have losses like they had versus the Kings to at least feel like you got something out of it. And I think the Blazers absolutely did. And to put a bow on that game, have to mention Skylar Mays, who with Malcolm Brogdon out, played 37 minutes and finished with 18 points, 11 assists, two steals, and two rebounds. He had a miss at the end of regulation that would have won the game, a step back three. Chauncey had mentioned that, you know, they would have maybe liked to got a better shot there, but 
the situation they were in. They didn't feel bad about the shot. In that situation too, the point is to make sure not only that you're getting off a look, but you're getting off a look with no time left on the clock because you don't want to obviously give the Kings a chance to win the game in regulation on their own. So Skyler did what he could there. And again, I, there was some complaints about the way that he played the end of that game. And I understand what people are saying, but also like you're not in that game without Skyler. And two, when you're down as many players as they are, the defense is keying in on Jeremy Grant in that situation. Shane Sharp had already fouled out of the game. So basically, you're down to Jeremy Grant, who's being double covered, Matisse Thibel, DeAndre Ayton, and Skyler Mays. I believe Tumani was on the court as well. If you can play, run a play to get a better look, that'd have been nice. But I had no problem with the shot that Skyler took to end that game. Chauncey mentioned the same thing. Skyler wasn't especially happy about it, but he said he would have taken that shot again. So I guess my overarching point is more that when you're in the situation Portland's in with as many injuries as they have, as many young players as they have, as many two-way players as they have, it's not to say that you can't be mad about mistakes the team makes, but also you just need to understand that they're in a situation where they don't really have a whole lot of options otherwise. You can always hope for the best. You should hope for the best. You should expect the best, actually, too. These guys are professionals. It's the NBA. It's the best league in the world. It's perfectly fine to have that be your expectation. But also, put in some context as well. I thought Skyler played a great game. Nothing he did at the end of that game or in overtime took away from the fact that he was very good in that game. A guy who I think at some point in time is probably going to find himself back in the NBA with a full contract. And heck, maybe it'll be with the Trailblazers because if they keep having guys go down, they're going to end up using all those two-way days before we get to the start of the new calendar year. In other news, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that Robert Williams III will undergo surgery to repair damage to the kneecap and ligaments in his right knee, an injury suffered in Sunday's loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. Reportedly, he'll have the procedure as early as next week and is expected to be fully recovered for the start of the 2024-25 season, though that means that he will also miss the entirety of the 2023-24 season. As soon as I heard the news, or the reported news at least, once again, the team has not released anything officially yet about the injury, other than saying that he was out for the game versus the Kings. But knowing Robert's history, once you see that he was going to have to miss time and have surgery, one of the options being a more short-term thing, one of it being more of a long-term thing, you pretty much knew at that point that if he was going to have surgery, he was going to miss the rest of the season. When you have an injury history like Robert has, when you're a big man, you can't try to rush those things back. So at this point, any issue that Robert has with that knee is probably going to be an extended period of time, particularly a surgery. So while it wasn't great to see the news today, reportedly, that Robert Williams III is going to be out for the remainder of the season, I think in your heart of heart, you probably already knew that was going to be the case. Really a bummer for Rob, really a bummer for the Trailblazers. He is under contract for the next two seasons after this year, so it's not like this is it for Robert Williams and the Trailblazers, but you were really hoping to see what he could do alongside DeAndre Ayton in that center tandem this year. That was definitely one of the main things to watch for the Trailblazers this season. Now that's off the table. I do hope that Rob decides to stick around the team a bit after he has the procedure. He's a great guy. Everyone loves him. Super popular in the locker room. I know that I'm hoping that Robert's going to be around just so I can spend some time around him. So Rob, get well soon, but we'll see you back in Portland when the time is right. Little ancillary to that, according to ESPN's Bobby Marks, the Trailblazers will be eligible to apply for a disabled player exception, which will be about $5.7 million, which is about half of what Williams' salary is this season. They can sign, claim, or acquire a player that has one year left on their contract with that exception. While these are good options, and I'm sure they will probably apply for that exception regardless, I am a bit skeptical that they're really going to do anything with it, considering that they already have the non-taxpayer mid-level exception right now that they have not used. 
So what I mean by that is if they were interested in bringing in another player to replace Williams, they could already do that with the mid-level exception. Granted, it never hurts to put in for those exceptions, but is there a guy out there who you really want to pay $5 million to? And granted, it doesn't have to be the whole WAP. It can be any part of that. But the idea that there's a guy who's on the couch right now who the Blazers are going to bring in to replace Robert Williams in this season with the expectations that they have for this season, I just don't know that that's really on the docket. I do think, as I mentioned the other day, Duop Reith, who is on a two-way contract with Rip City Remix, will probably be called up in time for Sunday's game. The Rip City Remix, as we're going to talk about here in a moment, already in Los Angeles to begin their season for two games. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he plays one of those games and then joins the Trailblazers for Sunday's game versus the Lakers. And at that point in time, maybe they just give him a full contract for the rest of the year. I'm sure they're going to keep their options open, but they do have some exceptions that open up because of Robert Williams' designation, reportedly, that he's going to miss the rest of the season. I'm just not entirely sure that they're going to avail themselves of any of those options. In other injury news, no update yet on Scoot Henderson, who has missed the last three games with a sprained right ankle, including Wednesday's loss to the Kings. The only healthy guards on Portland's roster right now are Shane Sharp and Skyler Mays, so getting Scoot back would be nice, especially if Malcolm Brogdon isn't able to go on Sunday. The team is practicing in Los Angeles this weekend, so not really expecting any kind of update until Saturday afternoon. Haven't really seen Scoot practice since the injury. I'm not sure how much he's been doing since the injury. I know they're taking their time with the injury, but as I mentioned on the last show, with so many days off between the Kings game and the Lakers game on Sunday, if Scoot isn't able to play at that point, I think you really do start to wonder if it's more of a long-term thing. I don't get any sense that that is the case, actually. I think they probably are just taking their time with it. But now that they're really down in numbers, if he's still not able to play, and not like they're going to force you back into playing, but if you're down as many players, particularly as many guards as the Blazers are, and if Scoot still isn't healthy enough to go, I think that does tell you a little something about the severity of that injury. But again, we'll have to wait until Saturday to find out where he's at. I would not at all be surprised if he was cleared to play for Sunday's game versus the Lakers. But again, we don't know that until we know that. And we won't know that probably until Saturday afternoon. With the Remix playing their first three games in Southern California, the team is able to give some minutes to players on Portland's roster while also retaining them for Sunday's game versus the Lakers, which is why I think both Chris Murray and Rian Repair were recently assigned to the Reap City Remix, who play their first games in franchise history on Friday versus the South Bay Lakers, and then again on Saturday before wrapping up a long weekend in Southern California by facing the Ontario Clippers on Monday. While neither Murray nor Repair are playing much, I would still imagine they'll be recalled if not for Sunday's game versus the Lakers, then before Tuesday's playing game versus the Jazz in Salt Lake City. That might also be dependent on the status of Scoot Henderson and Malcolm Brogdon. If those guys are able to return, perhaps Chris and Ryan stay for the entire slate of games on Friday, Saturday, and Monday with the remix. But if not, the Blazers will be down to nine players in uniform, and in that instance, you would assume that they'll need those bodies on the bench just in case. So while the team hasn't said explicitly Chris Murray and Ryan Repair are going to play X number of games for the remix, I would imagine they probably play on Friday and Saturday for the remix, and then on Sunday, rejoin the Portland Trailblazers. I imagine we might see Duop Reith do the same exact thing. 
And speaking of the remix, as I mentioned, they start their inaugural season with back-to-back games versus the South Bay Lakers at the UCLA Health Training Center, which is basically the Lakers practice facility, on Friday at 7 p.m., and then again on Saturday at 5 p.m. They'll have Sunday off before facing the Ontario Clippers at Toyota Center in the Inland Empire on Monday, 7 p.m. tip for that one. Blazers actually played a preseason game versus the Lakers there years and years and years ago. All those games will be streamed live on YouTube, so go to NBAGLeague.com for links and whatnot. You can watch all those games live on YouTube. Home games you can watch live over the air on Fox 12, but road games, Trailblazers don't have a local partner, but you can watch those games on YouTube. So if you find yourself wanting to get in on that first game of the Rip City Remix's existence, Friday night on YouTube, if you're not already down here in Southern California, check them out, Root for the Remix, Game 1 season one. Real quick before we wrap up this edition of the briefcase, Trailblazers covered in a loss for the first time this season by way of losing to the Kings in overtime by three, despite being seven and a half point underdogs. As we do all season long, we're tracking the Trailblazers versus the spread. So as of right now, the Trailblazers are four and four versus the spread this season and three and five versus the NBA. Trailblazers still have not been favored in a game this season. And while they haven't yet posted the spread for Sunday's game versus the Lakers, the Lakers play the Suns on Friday in a in-season tournament group A group game, which is also the group the Trailblazers are in. So after that, you assume they will release the line. They haven't done that yet, but unless something absolutely catastrophic happens, I would fully expect the Trailblazers to once again be underdogs for Sunday's game versus the Lakers at Staples Center. Pardon me, at Crypto.com Arena. And that is going to do it for this edition of The Briefcase. Thank you so much for joining me once again. As a reminder, the Blazers playing the Lakers on Sunday, 7 o'clock tip-off for that one. The Jazz on Tuesday, 6 o'clock tip-off for that one. Once again, Portland's second in-season tournament game. Blazers then return home to play four of their next five games at home. Remix games on Friday, Saturday, and Monday. And then next week, they return home to begin their home season at University of Portland. But we'll talk about that next week on the next editions of The Briefcase. I am Casey Holdall. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you soon. Go Blazers.